Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, in our text from John chapter 10, Jesus declares, I am the door of the sheep. It is the third of seven of such I am statements in John's Gospel, and perhaps the most enigmatic. In what way is Jesus a door? Four verses later, we hear the more familiar, I am the good shepherd, but most of us only know sheep and shepherds from the Bible. So while this second I am is more familiar, there is still more to learn. The form of Jesus' I am statements harkens back to the Exodus chapter 3 and Moses before the burning bush. Moses asks to know the name of the one sending him back to Egypt. After all, the people of Israel will want to know who it is that has sent him. And God answers, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jesus' sevenfold application of this phrase of divine self-identification to himself was either blasphemy or an explicit claim to divinity. Chapter 6. I am the bread of life. In contrast to the manna which your fathers ate and died. Chapter 8. I am the light of the world, and now I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. This is the ancient context for these sayings. But there is another, more important, near context for our reading. John chapter 10 continues the discussion between Jesus and the Jews concerning the man born blind. Chapter 9 began with a question from Jesus' disciples. Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? After reiterating his claim to be the light of the world, Jesus gives the man the gift of sight. But you would call the problem. It was the Sabbath on which he made the mud and sent the man to wash. The miracle sets off a string of interrogations that would almost seem comical if it were not for the deadly seriousness of the charges. The man is dismissed and his parents are called, Is this your son? Yes, but we do not know how he received his sight. The man is called back a second time. Give glory to God, the Jews declare. We know that this man is a sinner. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they cast him out a third time. And Jesus seeks him out and gives him the gift of spiritual sight as well. And now the critical exchange between the Jews and Jesus that sets up our text. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus answers them by telling them a parolmia, a figure of speech. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The picture that Jesus calls to mind would have been commonplace for his first hearers, but not for us. Try this. Google image search Palestinian shepherds. I did. And I got a dozen images, over half of which could have been taken in the first century Judah if they'd had the technology. Now try American Shepherd. And you'll find out about a breed of dogs. Obviously, we are at a disadvantage to understand the truth that Jesus wants to convey. But Jesus helps us out by sketching a picture. A picture with three distinct figures. Shepherds, sheep, 
and adore. First, shepherds, or more accurately, false shepherds. Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. Everyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. A disappointed attack on the Pharisees asking the question, and all the leaders of Israel, from the present rulers in the temple, a long line stretches back through the intertestamental period, through Herod the Great, the half-breed king of the Jews by Roman decree, who appointed high priests to serve his needs, through Simon during the period of the Maccabeans, who was declared high priest and ethnarch, head of the nation after the Seleucid independence, thieves and robbers all, who sought access to the sheep for personal and political gain, hardly worthy of the title hired hand. But that line stretches forward, too, into our context. Every would-be preacher, every teacher of the church that climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. In a White Horse Inn interview several years back, the host interviewed a well-known popular preacher. When the question of God's law and sin came up, he confided, quote, I would never call my people sinners. Really? Oh, especially the seekers, the uninitiated, he continued. It is such a turnoff. It drives people away. I tell them that God loves them. Well, yes, God loves them. But God's love is cruciform. God's love is most clearly visible in His Son's substitutionary death, His public execution. An execution that should have been mine, that should have been yours. You, me, we all deserve to die because we are all sinners. True preachers and teachers come through the door, through Jesus. His blood is on the doorposts and the lintel. False shepherds do not deal in blood. Therefore, God will require the blood of the sheep from their hands. As he promised through his prophet Ezekiel, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Here ends the reading. The second figure in this picture that Jesus sketches are the sheep. We hear a lot about sheep in the Bible, but as our Google search for shepherds reminds us, few of us have any real-life experience with the flesh and blood animals. So we've read enough of our Bibles to know something about sheep. They're often depicted as, well, not too bright. They tend to wander, to get lost, and being lost to get hurt or attacked. Sheep are a high-maintenance undertaking that challenges their shepherds. But, lucky for me, sheep make excellent sermon fodder. There are plenty of useful illustrations for the preacher to mine. The flock of 450 who all jumped off a cliff together while their shepherds sat in the cafe over coffee. Or the, the sneaky ones who figured out how to roll on their backs to escape over cattle guards. Or one of my personal favorites, the pair of sheep who got stage fright minutes before they were to go on in the final BBS production of The Good Shepherd at the Lutheran Church in Clinton, Iowa. They hopped the fence and lit up for points unknown. But for all their foibles, we still love to sing, I am Jesus, little lamb. How do we know that we are Jesus' little lamb? 
Go back to the text. It's the voice. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them on. When he has brought them on, out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We live in a world filled with voices. Thousands of channels of talk radio, primetime and late-night television, street preachers and televangelists. By the end of last year, there were over 800,000 podcasts with 54 million episodes speaking into cyberspace. But who's listening? It is the ears of the sheep that matter. Bill Donahue relates this story from his time as a part-time youth pastor while attending seminary. He was visiting a farm where two of his members lived, and their dad decided to teach him a lesson. As Donahue tells the story, he asked if I could help call in the sheep. I enthusiastically agreed. Sheep calling was like preaching. We stood at the pasture fence, watching 25 sheep graze. Go ahead, he dared me. Call them in. What do you say? I asked. I just say, hey sheep, come on in. No sweat, I thought. A city kid with a bad back and hay fever could do this. I began in a normal speaking voice, but Tom interrupted. Hey, wait a minute, you're 75 yards away, downwind, and they have their backs to you. Yell! Use your diaphragm like they teach you in your preaching classes. So I took a deep breath and put every inch of stomach muscle into a yell that revival preachers around the world would envy. Hey, sheep! Come on in! The blessed preachers did not move an inch. Not even turned an ear. Tom smiled sarcastically. Did they teach you the Bible in that seminary? Have you ever read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me? Raising his voice only slightly, he said, Hey, sheep, come on in. All 25 turned and ambled toward us. Tom seized his teachable moment. Now don't you forget, he said, you are the shepherd of my kids. That lesson cuts both ways. Only true under-shepherds speak the words of Jesus, the good shepherd. But it is the sheep indwelt by the Spirit who must discriminate. Do you hear the voice of the true shepherd on Sunday morning? Is the gospel being preached in its truth and purity? Are the sacraments being administered according to God's command? These are our confessional standards, but the presence of standards does not ensure fidelity. It depends on the ears of sheep. It seems foolish. That's how God works. Through the Holy Spirit, he gathers his flock. He gathered you in the water and word of baptism, declaring, you are mine. He gathers his flock to hear the preached word today, and hopefully soon to be fed with the medicine and immortality, the very body and blood of Jesus, given and shed for you. A flock with ears only for Jesus. A flock that will follow only this good shepherd. The third figure in Jesus' sketch is a door. It is a self-portrait. 
I spoke earlier about Jesus as the door to the sheep as we considered false and true under-shepherds, pastors and teachers of the church. But the greater portion of our reading speaks of Jesus as being the door for the sheep. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. For 28 years, from 1961 to 1989, the Berlin Wall separated families and loved ones. It tore apart the community. In the same way, our sin separates us from God. This is the wandering sheep side of the metaphor. We sense the holiness, the majesty of God, and we tremble. We know, even if others do not, the dark side of our souls, the hidden sins, the ones we dare not even put into words. We know that to walk into God's presence like that, with these offenses, is to walk into judgment, to walk into eternal death. But Jesus is the door, the only door through which we can walk into God's presence and live. You were baptized into his death and his resurrection. Through that water you enter the ark of the church, and in that ark he brings us before the Almighty. There Jesus declares, For this one as well I die. Come, you who have been blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. One door, the only door, Jesus is making a claim of exclusivity. There is no other door. Such a claim is shocking and offensive to our world. What about Allah or Brahman or Buddha? Tom Keller writes, Pluralists contend that no one religion can know the fullness of spiritual truth, and therefore all religions are valid. But while it is good to acknowledge our limitations, this statement is itself a strong assertion about the nature of spiritual truth. A common analogy is cited, you probably know it, the man, the blind man trying to describe an elephant. One feels the tail, and of course the elephant is thin and flexible. Another feels the leg and claims the elephant is like a tree trunk. Another touches its side, and of course the elephant is like a wall. This is supposed to represent how the various religions only understand a part of God, while no one can truly see the whole picture. To claim full knowledge of God, pluralists contend, is arrogance. Keller says, I occasionally tell this parable and I can almost see the people nodding their heads in agreement. Yes, yes, that makes sense. But then I remind them that the only way this parable makes any sense at all is if you've seen a whole elephant. Therefore, the minute you say all religions only see a part of the truth, you are claiming the very knowledge that you say no one else has. And you are demonstrating the same spiritual arrogance you accuse Christians of. It's not arrogance. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that we come to know Jesus, the door, the only door. Peter reminds us, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the door, and he gives us this wonderful promise here in John 10. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. To go in and out and find pasture is a Hebraism, painting a picture of safety and security. Or, as the good shepherd himself continues, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
These opening verses of John chapter 10 contain this enigmatic claim of Jesus. I am the door of the sheep. To explain it, Jesus sketches a picture containing these three figures, shepherds and sheep and the door. Jesus is the door to the sheep, the measure of true under-shepherds, and a serious challenge to the church to maintain proper proclamation. Jesus is the door for the sheep, the only entrance into the church through his death and resurrection. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. May he preserve us in this faith until he comes to lead his flock across the Jordan and into his eternal presence. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.